It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about their first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Faster my crazy day. My pack commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. (laughs) Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. A lot to get to today as far as Bengals free agency goes. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bengals, at James Rapine. And to join us and talk about Bengals free agency and the legal tampering period has officially begun at noon today. And to talk more about it is Andre Parada. You can follow him on Twitter, at Andre Parada. And uh, he writes for CincyJungle.com. You can check out a few of his articles there as well. Andre, I appreciate the time. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. Let's start with, and and I think this is interesting. Everyone assumes, and I I had a friend basically yell at me (laughs) on Saturday night, that A.J. McCarron would be a free agent after the 2017 season that might not necessarily be the case for our casual listeners who don't really understand it why could AJ McCarron be a restricted free agent next year instead of an unrestricted free agent that's a great question James so um, in all likelihood AJ will be a restricted free agent after this upcoming 2017 season the reason for that is AJ failed to earn a credit an accrued season his rookie year of 2014 uh, in its simplest form, an accrued season is earned by a player if they're on the 53-man roster or on injured reserve for six or more games during the regular season. McCarron, as you know, was placed on a non-football, uh, the, 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 the pup list for a non-football injury. Um, he suffered an injury in college, essentially, so that qualifies as a non-football injury under the CBA because it was an injury sustained in college. As a result of that, um, he wasn't on the 53-man active roster or on IR for the necessary six games that he needed to accrue a season his rookie year. So next year, after this coming 2017 season, A.J. McCarron's contract will be expired. He won't have a contract. But since he failed to earn a, an accrued season his rookie year, he'll only have three accrued seasons um, at the expiration of his deal. So having earned three accrued seasons but not four means that McCarron will be a restricted free agent. Now it's interesting to note that uh, during Duke Tobin's press conference at the Combine last week, he referred to what I, what I would call, my suspicion is that McCarron's agents may have filed a grievance against the Bengals to get clarification regarding his status his first year. 
But the way I read the CBA and just clearly looking at the games that McCarron was on the 53-man active roster, um, he did not earn. He was not on the 53-man roster for six games, so he didn't earn an accrued season. So um, you can go back to your buddy and tell him that uh, you know just a plain reading of a C- CBA <laughs> and an understanding of McCarron's status his rookie season. Um, it, it's pretty clear that he'll be a restricted free agent, which has its benefits, you know, for the team, for the Bengals, and potentially suitors for McCarron, because he'll effectively be under team control for two seasons. Obviously, this year and and next year as well, uh, he won't have a contract. But for a restricted free agent, you can tender him what's called a qualifying offer. Um, you could you could tender him at a, a first round tender, or a second round tender, or an original round tender. And uh, AJ and his agents would be free to negotiate with teams even after signing the tender. Um, but there would be draft pick compensation that would come back to the Bengals if he did agree to terms with another team and the Bengals did not match. My guess is if, if McCarron is confirmed to be a restricted free agent, which I think he will be, um, and he's not traded, you know, the Bengals may slap a first round uh, qualifying uh, tender on him next year. And if a team wants to sign him and the Bengals don't match, then the Bengals will get a first-round pick in return. Um, so that, his status as a restricted free agent is important because of the possibility that we've been hearing all offseason that uh, McCarron may be the target of, of some, uh, some, some uh, trades here coming up this offseason. Andre Parada, CincyJungle.com. He's also an attorney, CBA expert. He says he reads the CBA for fun. Not something <laughs> I would do, but uh, he's smarter than I am. Let's, let's dive into... Uh, the big three in just a second, the big three free agents for the Bengals, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, Jay Kirkpatrick. I, I, I have a theory on, on those three and the, and the Bengals' approach. But first, let's talk about some guys that the Bengals are probably going to keep, and, and you wrote about it for CincyJungle.com, that they might or they shouldn't keep. And let's start with, with the big one, Adam Pacman jones Yeah, so that article was, was regarding uh, cap casualties. And I, I, I hesitate to use the term cap casualty because – the Bengals, as, they, as they've always been in the salary gap era, are in pristine cap, cap shape. So they don't have to terminate anyone's contract or waive a player simply for cap purposes. But that being the case, it's always prudent to maximize uh, your roster and to, to have roster efficiency and have the player production match somewhat or closely somewhat to their cap charge. So um, Pac-Man, you know, irrespective of the off-the-field incident, which happened um, right after the end of the regular season, you could make an argument just on the on-field uh, decline that Pac-Man experienced last season that he could be uh, he'd be on the roster bubble. Um, Pac-Man is due to earn about seven and a half million dollars, or I think just under seven million dollars in, in salary this year. The Bengals would realize about a six point eight million dollar cap uh, savings if if they did terminate his contract before June first. There would be a dead money charge of about $1.33 million, which would be the prorated portion of the signing bonus. But just from an on-field production standpoint, um, you know, Adam had a great 2015 season. He certainly earned his extension uh, last season, his three-year deal. Uh, but he's entering this season. He'll, he'll turn 34 years old, uh, I think, two or three weeks into the start of the regular season this year. His, mm-hmm. his, his birthday, I believe, is the end of September. Yep. So he'll be essentially entering this season in his age 34 season. And yes, he was suspended from football, but Adam does have some, some pretty serious injuries that people for, tend to forget about. He's had a couple neck surgeries in the past. So he's not, he doesn't have a clean bill of health that, you know, for example, a Terrence Newman has had 
in his career. Newman, of course, is approaching 40, and he's still playing at a relatively high level. But just from an on-field production standpoint, you could make a very strong case that Adam Jones should at least be considered uh, a cap casualty for for the Bengals, just a a roster cut to free up some some more money to possibly spend elsewhere. Uh, In addition to the fact that we have so many young corners on the roster Mm -hmm. uh, waiting in the wings, obviously uh, William Jackson III, Darquez Denard, who's already entering his fourth season, really hasn't played much due to injuries and otherwise. Um, but a really strong case could be made that, that it's time to part ways with, with Adam Jones. Uh, again, regardless of the, the off-the-field incident that happened, too. And, um, you know, he's likely facing a suspension, maybe two, four games. Um, if it's four, he may get it reduced on appeal down to two. The Bengals will get a cap credit for the games that he, he missed. Um, and interestingly enough, under the CBA, the Bengals can actually go back and try to get a portion of the prorated amount of the signing bonus uh, for the games that he'll, he'll end up being suspended if he's still on the roster, if he's suspended at all. Uh, a couple other players, in addition to Adam Jones, Ray Malaluga seems to be the most obvious one. There would be no dead money on, 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 upon his contract termination, and the, the Bengals would realize about a $3.7 million cap savings, that it would just go straight to uh, to savings under the cap that could be applied elsewhere for the team. I think those are the two obvious ones. You possibly get into in the article that I, that you mentioned. I wrote about Michael Johnson. Um, Michael Johnson has a has a cap hit in 2017 of just over five million. Uh, his play has been steadily declining, but you know Marvin tends to like the veteran locker room presence type of guys, and I think Johnson still has a spot on the roster. But you know if the Bengals. If Paul Gunther's wishes are, are granted and the Bengals draft a couple of DNs um, in, in the draft and maybe even reach out and, dra- and, and sign like a Jabal Sheard or there's talk in Philadelphia that Connor Barwin may be released and they sign like a Connor Barwin, um, you know, Michael Johnson's days on the Bengals roster could also be num- numbered as well. And that's the interesting thing to me is I, I think Adam Jones, the football player, can play another three or four years at a relatively high level. I think he took a, a decline this year. But with the off the field and with what you're potentially losing, and we mentioned the big three, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler, Drake Kirkpatrick, I look at specifically Ray Maluga and Adam Jones. And what they're costing the Bengals could be applied, if you cut both of those, if you moved on from those two guys, could be applied to keep one of the big three. And everyone thinks that they're going to keep Andrew Whitworth. And people think they're going to do their best to keep Dre. But if you're telling me, keep Dre or have Adam Jones in a, another rookie corner, I would say keep the first-round pick that's just uh, just now entering his prime and coming off of his career season. I would agree. Yeah, Dre also, I think, has the ability. You know, I don't think Dre's an upper echelon corner, but he's certainly a solid starter at a premium position. He's, he's Like you mentioned, uh, James, he's entering his prime. And I still think Dre has room for improvement, if, if we're honest. I think... You know, he hasn't plateaued yet, and I think he still has room for improvement. Um, yeah, and with Adam Jones, I mean, it's just it's, it's, a produ- it's a value proposition, right? Of course, the Bengals don't even need to cut or part ways with Jones or Mataluga to afford all three of the big three and then some. They have $42 million in cap space. I mean, they have enough. We all know how the Bengals operate under the cap, but they certainly have enough money uh, and enough cap room to, to afford all three. I think the question with Zeitler is a value proposition. How much do they value the guard position? I don't necessarily agree with that, their, um, their stance or their position in that regard, but I certainly uh, understand it, even though I don't agree with it. 
But the Bengals don't even have to cut those two players you mentioned, Maluga and Jones, to afford these guys. But by cutting them, uh, you know, you just you're you're going back to the point of uh, creating a more efficient roster and and really maximizing your cap dollars. Even though, again, they're in pristine cap shape, you always want to make sure that the production uh, that the players are putting forth uh, matches their cap value. And yes, Adam, like you mentioned, I, I still think he could probably play at a v- relatively high level uh, for a couple more seasons. I agree with that. But um, you know, if there if the regression continues from what it was last year, you know, he may be experiencing a precipitous decline in the in the next coming years. So we'll see uh, how that all unfolds. But you're right. I mean, if they want to devote some cap dollars and some resources um, in other areas you know, cutting those two players we mentioned would uh, would further increase their ability to do that. Absolutely. Andre Parada joining us here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. Subscribe audioboom.com, also on iTunes. He has a really good write-up on cincyjungle.com. By the way, he's on Twitter at Andre Parada 13 uh, That breaks down Andrew Whitworth and his potential contract, what he could command in free agency, free agency Dre Kirkpatrick, along with Kevin Zeitler. Let's discuss that because I, I, I think this is really football-y, but I, I think fans care because they feel like, and I think the general fan thinks like, oh, there's no way the Bengals can afford all three. And I know you mentioned they could. Let's start with Andrew Whitworth, probably looking at a, a two-year deal. He's 35 years old. What kind mm-hmm. of money could the Bengals offer him and still be able to afford to keep Kevin Zeitler and Jay Kirkpatrick? That's a great question. So in, in, in that article you referenced, I, I came up with a proposed two-year contract with, with, uh, for Witt. Uh, Witt, of course, is the de facto offensive captain. He's a team leader. You can make an argument. I mentioned in the article, Witt is certainly the second-best left tackle in franchise history, obviously behind the Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz. I can make an argument that he likely now, based on his play, has is, is, is vaulted himself into a top-ten Bengals player of all time. Um, he, I, I think that you could certainly make a strong argument that Whitworth, Whitworth has established that. Mm-hmm. And, and he enters free agency in, in a very unique situation. Not too many premium left tackles, not too many left tackles uh, become unrestricted free agents, especially left tackles who play at a high level that Whitworth does. His unique situation is, is really based on the fact that he's 35 years old. He's entering um, the 2017 season in his age 35 year or season. But I think a two-year deal would work fine. I think both sides would agree to that because, um, you know, two years works well. I think, you know, Abwehi and Fisher, even though Fisher looks, you know, um, slated for the right side now, but Abwehi really has not shown anything that would lead anyone really in the Bengals organization, if they were honest with themselves, to believe that Abwehi could step right in, even with the full offseason of, uh, of, of, of training now in OTAs, which, is, which he hasn't had. There's really nothing that Obwehi has shown that would lead anybody to rest easy at night, knowing that he's had <laughs> that he has Dalton's blind side protected. Agreed. But I think a two-year deal for Whitworth is fine. The club obviously wants to protect itself in the case that Whitworth um, just somehow suffers from a, a supreme decline in skill, which, by all accounts, uh, he's not in line for that. He has he showed no evidence of, of of skill decline. He really hasn't. Whitworth also has been very very healthy. Knock on wood, his entire career. He has no major injury history. You know, in fact, Marvin gives him, you know, the, the typical veteran days off of practice during the week. Um, so he, he's an athlete who, by all accounts, takes care of his body. And I don't see any evidence that would suggest that Whitworth cannot continue to perform at an all-pro level at left tackle for at least another two years. 
And if you just look at what the top market rate is for premium left tackles, they're anywhere in the range, you know, what Joe Thomas in Cleveland or Tyron Smith in Dallas are making. You know, they're anywhere in the range between 11 and $13 million uh, in average annual value, AAV. Um, so I think a two-year, $23 million deal um, is fair to both sides. That's $11.5 million a year. I think, uh, you know, you may want to give them a little bit year one, uh, you know, cash, a higher-end year one cash, and, and a lower cap hit in year one. But I think, you know, that type of deal would, would be enough to bring Andrew back. Um, you know, of course, Andrew is established in the community. He's got a family here. I'm not sure if he wants to move uh, the whole family. But, you know, he's also trying to win. He's at, the, he's at the end of his career, although he's playing at a high level. But if a team like the Giants uh, or the Seahawks or the Broncos, who all have plenty of cap space, the Giants a little less so than others, but they still have enough. And, you know, all three of those teams are playoff teams, minus the Broncos, of course, last year. Um, if they offer him a good deal with some guaranteed money, uh, I, I wouldn't put it past Whitworth to seriously consider that deal and sign him. So the, the Bengals have to worry about offering him, you know, the two-year $23 million deal that I propose may be a little too rich for the Bengals' liking, but they got to worry about, in all honesty, trying too hard for a hometown discount and banking on the fact that, well, we really don't think Whitworth will leave us. Well, he just may. If an offer is presented to him and his agents that he really – has a hard time um, uh, saying no to, then, you know, I'd, I wouldn't put it past Whitworth to do what's in the best interest of him and his, his family and his interest of, of maybe winning a, a, a Lombardi trophy. But I think the two-year structure or the two-year two -year deal I came up with is pretty fair. Uh, if you look at that article, um, there in the second year, I, I've actually tied about $2 million of his pay into what's called per-game active roster bonuses. In other words, if you're on the 46-man roster every game day, you get a you get a game bonus for that. That protects the club in case you know Whitworth suffers some debilitating injury where he's unable to dress. Uh, you know they don't cut him, but he's unable to play on Sundays and he's not on the active roster. That would be able that would be a protection where the Bengals would be able to save some money. So I think I think that type of structure with some ro active roster bonuses in year two of the deal would be pretty palatable to the Bengals uh, organization. And I think Witt would be okay with that because he actually had some per-game roster bonuses in his last uh, one-year extension that he signed, uh, I think, during the first couple weeks of the 2015 season. Andre, when you look at the, the other two of the big three, it feels like Kevin Zeitler's already gone. It, it feels like Dre Kirkpatrick's a 50-50. I will say mm -hmm. this. I don't want the Bengals to overpay. I don't think good organizations yeah. do it. And, and Dre Kirkpatrick especially, it feels like they might have to overpay to keep him when you look at those two, what type of deal would you, would you offer them that's fair? And if, if they get a bigger offer elsewhere, would you be like, okay, that's fine. We can, we can replace you with that money elsewhere in free agency. Yeah, great question. I, let, me, let me address the issue of not overpaying. I, I completely agree about not overpaying. You have to determine what the player's value is. Uh, you know, a contract extension or, or a re-signing of a contract is really um, – it, it, you, you kind of want to project what the value is uh, throughout the, the value that the player will bring throughout the life of that contract. The Bengals typically, obviously, they tend to honor contracts, although that's not always the case. They do part ways with some guys before the end of their deals. You know, Robert Gathers was one, even though they, they probably hung around to, to good old Robert a little longer than most teams would have, but they still terminated his contract a year early. So yes, I, I agree with you that they should not. They should be cautious. They should caution against overpaying. And in that regard, in that respect, they do a great job. They never really overpay for their players. But 
specifically related to Zeitler and uh, Kirkpatrick. You know, Zeitler and his camp, they're going to be looking at a baseline here of what uh, Kyle Long with the Bears and David DeCastro with the Steelers, what their contracts were. Those, those deals are essentially, you know, about $10 million in average annual value. Kyle Long signed a four-year, $40 million extension. DeCastro signed a five-year, $50 million extension. If you look at the new money averages in those deals, so that's about ten million dollars. The contract that I proposed and I included in the article for Zeitler is right there: four years, forty million. Uh, the Bengals don't guarantee a lot of salary. They don't guarantee the the base salaries a lot. The only guarantees that they tend to do are uh, strictly limited to the signing bonus. But I think a four-year, forty million dollar deal would be more than fair to Zeitler. Uh, I, again, I'm not sure the Bengals are willing to go that high, but, you know, certainly in terms of fairness and not overpaying, I think that even the Bengals may even be comfortable paying that just with respect to the fact that that's what other uh, guards are receiving, especially guards in, in within our own division. Uh, anything more than that, you know, the Bengals probably won't even uh, approach. And to be quite honest, James, the writing's on the wall. The Bengals probably aren't even offering anything close to $10 million a year for, for Zyder, which is unfortunate. You know, I understand the, the Bengals' position on that in terms of not overvaluing the guard position, but to me, um, the valuation comes from evaluating the player and not necessarily the position he plays. Um, and if you look at the um, the kind of the morphing of the pass rush now in defenses, you know, pass rushing now is not just coming from edge defenders. It's coming up the middle. I mean, we have one of the best interior pass rushers, Geno Atkins. You look at guys like Aaron Donald and Dominick Sue down in Miami – you know, interior linemen, O-linemen, are, are blocking these guys. And so their value is increasing as well. So to answer your question, I, I honestly, you know, it's a, I would put it as a virtual certainty, almost 100%, that Zeitler will, has played his last game with the Bengals. But I honestly think that if the Bengals did approach him and his agents with a four-year, $40 million deal with the structure that I outlined in that article, um, I think Zeitler would, would, would take that. Um, it wouldn't be the highest bid, but he knows that he would get every penny of that deal here in Cincinnati. Um, but to be honest, I'd be surprised if the Bengals offered more than $8 million a year, um, which actually there was a, there was a re-signing last year or last week with the Kansas City Chiefs. I forget the guard's name, but mm-hmm. he was a six-round pick. And he signed a five-year, $42.5 million deal. So that's, that averages out to well over $8 million. Um, I don't even think the Bengals would approach that, to be honest with Zyder. Not again, it's not an indictment on Zyder, the player. I think he's a phenomenal player, and I personally want him back. And if I were uh, in Duke Tobin or Kitty Blackburn or Troy Blackburn or Mike Brown's position, I would do everything in my power to bring him back. I just, I just don't see it happening based on how the Bengals have historic, historically valued or really even devalued the guard position. He's Andre For, Parada. I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted no, to get... No. Get, get this real quick. You you mentioned uh, a couple free agents. We're up against it, so I wanted to, to sure. get this in. A couple free agents that you would target, and I remember you mentioned it to me, heck, back in January, and, and I thought about it and thought about it, and I'm so on board with these. And 30 seconds apiece, uh, Marcus Marcus Wheaton and Jabal Sheard, you think they both fit in with the Bengals, it sounds like? I do. I think the Bengals are looking, obviously, they're in the market for a running mate for A.J. Green. They may, you know, John Ross blew everybody away at the combine with his four two two forty. Number nine may be a little too rich for him, but if he if his medical issues cause him to fall down to forty one, which I doubt, but if they do, I'd be all on board for having John Ross uh, being a new Bengal. 
but I think they want a speed element opposite of him. Mike Williams from Clemson uh, probably doesn't fit that bill in terms of the, from a pure speed perspective. You know, Corey Davis, who I'm very high on from Western Michigan, he didn't run at the combine. He's probably also not going to run at his 40 or at his pro day, so we won't really know his 40 time. So if they're looking for a speedster um, and they're looking to kind of poach someone and uh, away from a division rival, Marcus Wheaton coming off an injury plague season would be an ideal candidate because he's probably looking for a one or two year prove it deal. And I think they could probably find something that would be agreeable to both sides and really help out Andy Dalton and the whole Bengals offense. You know, Marcus is on the smaller side for receivers. He doesn't fit that big uh, mold that the, that the Bengals generally like, but he's, he's very fast. He ran a four, four, five at, at the, uh, when he was coming into the draft in 2013. Um, so I think he would be a great fit. You know, nobody's asking really for splash free agent signings, but the good teams know how to supplement the roster with overlooked quality free agent contributors and I think Marcus Wheaton can certainly fit that, fit that mold, as well as Jabal Sheard. Sheard, a couple years ago, was a free agent. He kind of was in that second wave. New England kind of plucked him off free agency, an unheralded signing at the time. A two-year deal, I believe, was for $11.5 million. Jabal Sheard, I think, had the second-highest pro football focus grade for the Patriots on defense in the Super Bowl. I think Trey Flowers had the highest grade. And then Jabal Sheard had the second highest, I, I believe, pass rush grade in that Super Bowl game. Um, so I think Sheard, too, and I think Sheard is probably looking for a longer-term deal at this point since he only signed a two-year deal at his first fight at the free agent Apple. But I think he could be had maybe for another two- or three-year deal at a reasonable rate, maybe 6 or $7 million. That certainly fits well within the Bengals' budget. And I think he could, you know, uh, benefit from playing uh, opposite Dunlap. He could probably also relieve Dunlap at times. He's a versatile player who probably could play left or right end, and he would really open up the draft. And I think even signing a Jabal Sheard type of player would not preclude them from drafting a D-end at number 9 or number 41. Um, you know, signing that type of player would, would still would open up the draft but would not preclude them from going after a high-end uh, defensive end uh, in the draft at all. So we'll keep an eye out for those guys. Torrey Smith was a re- release, recent release today. He's still got some speed to him. He would not count against the compensatory uh, pick formula that the Bengals seem to be absolutely in love with. So he's another name to keep an eye out. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I've been on the Wheaton sheared uh, train from the get-go, and I think those types of players would be uh, would fit quite nicely with what uh, the Bengals are looking to do to supplement their roster. Yeah, I'm completely on board with you. Andre, this was great. He's Andre Parada on Twitter, at Andre Parada 13 writes for CincyJungle.com. Go check out his work. Andre, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much, James, for having me on, and uh, we'll see what, ha- what, what ha- the Bengals have in store uh, these next 48 to 52 hours. That's Andre Parada joining us on the Locked on Bengals podcast. He's an attorney. He's read the CBA in depth and has strong opinions, good opinions, well-articulated and thought-out uh, opinions about the cap and, and all of the stuff that, that, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert at. So I, I think he's interesting. Follow him on Twitter at Andre Parada 13 Definitely doesn't have the, the number of Twitter followers followers that he should have. So I decided him to bring him on here and, and, and get his name out there a little bit here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. He writes for CincyJungle.com. Really good, well-thought-out arguments by Andre. Tomorrow we'll dive into the draft. It's been two days of free agency. We'll keep you up to date on all the free agency rumors as of now, as of 2.20 Eastern time. I haven't seen any Bengals rumors, but I, w- I will definitely keep you up to date there. The best way to keep get the latest Bengals is to follow me on Twitter, at James Rapine, also at Locked On Bengals. And uh, until tomorrow, 
when we'll dive into the draft, unless there's something unforeseen that happens. I'm not expecting anything to happen right now, Bengals free agency-wise. I will keep you up to date, though, on Twitter and uh, also iTunes, audioboom.com. Subscribe to the Locked on Bengals podcast. We're growing, and it's because of you. Keep sharing it on social media. Keep listening, and uh, definitely subscribe. Until then, I appreciate you joining me. I'm James Erpine, and this is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Thank you for listening. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.